0: If you're enjoying this podcast and it's helping your writing, then come study with me. In addition to our normal classes and ProTrack mentorship program, I have two amazing weekend intensives coming up this summer for writers at different levels. You can come to New York and take them here over the weekend, or you can attend online from anywhere in the world and participate just like if you were in the room. On June 22nd and 23rd, if you've already taken my Write Your Screenplay class or if you're a writer with some experience who listens to this podcast often, I'm teaching for the first time ever a Write Your Screenplay Level 2 intensive. It's on Saturday and Sunday, June 22nd and 23rd. What we're going to be doing in that class is breaking down the 7-act structure of many different films as well as showing you some of the really cool differences between writing for film and writing for television and how to adapt those structural concepts for different kinds of writing. We'll also be talking about advanced techniques for writing for the inner eye, for hypnotizing the reader with your action, and also some advanced pitching techniques that you can use not only to talk about your script and get it out there to other people, but also to uncover the structure in that script yourself. It's going to be such an incredible workshop. And for writers at all different levels who are new to the studio, I'm offering a new weekend-intensive version of my Write Your Screenplay Level 1 class on Saturday, July 27th, and Sunday, July 28th. And in this special week in intensive format, what we're going to be doing is looking at how to break through your inner sensor to get your best writing on the page, how to conquer writer's block and set up a writing lifestyle for yourself. And we're going to also be looking at how to build your script or your television show organically from the blank page to character to scene to act and all the way to structure. We're going to do an introduction to how seven-act structure is built, and we're going to break down movies and TV shows of all different kinds. And we're also going to do some really amazing writing exercises to get you thinking about your characters and your structure in a more intuitive and exciting way. So I hope that you can join me for one or both of those wonderful intensives, and you can find out more about that on my website, writeyourscreenplay.com. Hello, I'm Jacob Kruger, and this is the Write Your Screenplay Podcast. On this podcast, rather than reviewing movies like Critics, two thumbs up, two thumbs down, loved it or hated it, we're going to look at movies in terms of what we can learn from them as screenwriters. We're going to look at good movies and bad movies, movies that we loved and movies that we hated. For an ad-free version of this podcast, as well as a full transcript, please visit our website, writeyourscreenplay.com. This week, we're going to be looking at Game of Thrones Season 8, Episode 5, The Bells. Let's set aside, just for a moment, the question of whether or not this episode is actually good. That's been debated ad nauseum everywhere, and I've already waxed poetic for four episodes about some of the issues that have plagued the character development of Game of Thrones Season 8. Instead, I want to talk about what you can learn from this episode as a screenwriter or as a TV writer, and also about why this episode has sparked so much outrage and what you can learn from that when getting feedback on your own scripts or approaching your own rewrites. To talk about episode 5, I want to actually start by going way, way back to episode 1 of season 1. If you've studied screenwriting with me in my Write Your Screenplay classes, you're already familiar with the concept of mirrors. The idea that elements of the structure of your screenplay actually evolve from reflecting back moments that have already happened in a different way. Game of Thrones episode 5 actually starts with a moment that's one of those mirrors. A mirror of something that we saw way back at the very beginning of Game of Thrones season 1. Way back at the very beginning of that Game of Thrones pilot, we saw a king named Ned Stark execute a guy named Will. Will was a ranger who went out beyond the wall and encountered a White Walker. A creature, of course, that Ned Stark believed had long since gone extinct. And when Will comes back, Ned, as king, carries out what he believes to be his kingly duty. Not understanding that the man is telling the truth about the White Walkers, Ned executes Will. And not only does he execute Will, he brings his son to watch so that he can learn what it is to be a king. And here we are in Game of Thrones Episode 5, and Episode 5 begins with a moment that's very, very similar, a reflection of that moment that launched us into the series. Except this time, it's Daenerys pronouncing the death sentence, and this time the person being executed is Varys. This time it's Varys who's speaking the truth that nobody wants to hear, and this time it's Daenerys who's operating as she believes a queen must operate in order to solidify her power. You can see what's happening here thematically. The Game of Thrones engine is growing out of the stuff that has come before. And sure, there are problems with the way that we got here. Problems of Varys not acting like Varys and Daenerys not acting like Daenerys and the brilliant Tyrion suddenly becoming very, very stupid and everybody being puppeted around by the writers as I discussed in my previous podcast. And those issues with the path that we took to get here do get in the way of what should be a very powerful scene actually affecting us in the way that it should because there's a part of us saying um yeah but wouldn't she um or wouldn't he um or didn't they um so to get the full value out of this podcast and out of this analysis i want you to imagine just for a moment that the writers of game of thrones had found a way to believably get us to this moment Imagine that they rewrote the scenes in the previous episodes to find a believable way to chip away at Daenerys's morality while still leaving her a living, breathing character who's genuinely trying to do good. Imagine they'd found a way to push the ever-manipulating Varys to get caught in his own betrayals without simply being stupid about it, etc, etc, etc. Let's assume for a moment that this all actually made sense. And for a deep discussion about one way to do such a rewrite, you can check out my Game of Thrones Season 8, Episode 4 podcast. And I think if you do that, what you'll realize is that had that happened, just how powerful this scene actually would have felt. As a mirror of the scene that started it all, and as the tragic completion of Daenerys' relationship with Varys that in fact the issue that's making the start of this episode feel hollow doesn't exist in the moment itself, but rather in the moments that led up to it. This is probably the most common mistake writers make when receiving feedback. Just like the Game of Thrones writers are getting savaged by their once-loving audience for this episode, often writers get torn apart by well-meaning but badly trained teachers, coverage readers, writers, groups, producers, managers, agents, all these people who point at scenes that we know should work and insist that they're tragically broken. It takes a very experienced writer not to get messed up by this, to realize that often The problem doesn't exist in the offending scene itself, but rather in the scenes surrounding it. And often an inexperienced writer will take those notes and inadvertently cut their very best stuff, not realizing that the real problem isn't in those scenes, but in the ways that we build to them. So I'm going to go on record. The much reviled Game of Thrones season 8 episode 5 episode does not suck. It has some problems, it has some mistakes, it has some pivotal moments that are underwritten. It needs some rewrites, but it has the bones of what could have been one of the best episodes in the series. And that's why the writers are so aghast in defending it, insisting that the audience should have been prepared for what's happened. Because the big problem doesn't exist in this episode. It exists in the ones that led up to it, which have robbed us of the value of these incredibly powerful moments that the writers have created. So next time some well-meaning person hates on your best scene or your best moment and tells you it's never going to work, remember, it matters who's giving the note. And unless this person is truly trained to give you this kind of feedback, don't take them too seriously. Instead, look at the scenes around that moment you love and ask yourself, what would need to happen to make this feel inevitable? What kind of reflections of this moment would I need to lay in earlier in the script? What kind of structure would I need to get here believably? Movies, series, miniseries, plays, novels, memoirs, no piece of dramatic storytelling is ever built linearly. Rather, everything is a reflection of something else, and in our rewriting, we need to hone in on those reflections to allow those moments in our storytelling to speak to one another. This is something that's almost always true in your screenwriting. At the beginning, almost always, writers get worried that they aren't going to be able to figure out the plot, that they're not going to be able to figure out what happens next. In fact, we tend to hold on to our best elements of plot, our best moments. We try to keep them secretly in our back pockets, waiting, waiting, waiting to get there. Because we're afraid that we're never going to come up with something that good again. Or that we're going to run out of plot. But really, figuring out what happens in your script begins by looking at where you started. Just like figuring out how to build to a moment that you've imagined somewhere in the future of your script starts with imagining what kind of reflections of that moment could lead up to it. So coming back to the execution of Varus, as you can see, this moment doesn't grow out of the writer's brilliant imagination. It grows out of the first episode. It grows out of that powerful moment that started the whole thing. And because these two scenes speak to each other, they start to bring something even more important to the surface. Theme. If you imagine that we'd gotten here believably, and that the Daenerys that we're watching is not the hollow shell of crazy we've been watching recently, but rather a character as complicated as Ned Stark, trying to do the right thing, in a world where her power is falling away, and she's seeing enemies everywhere, and losing everyone she loves, and the truth seems impossible to believe in, you'll see that what the writers are really building starts to emerge with much more clarity. When we're watching Game of Thrones, we're watching a story about the mistakes that leaders make, not just evil leaders, though we've certainly seen some glorious shades of evil over the past eight seasons, but leaders who believe they're doing the right thing. There are three different levels of structure to every episode of every TV show, every movie, every web series, every dramatic story. There are always three different levels. The first level of structure is the character's journey. The choices that the characters are making, how they're changing or refusing to change. The second level is much deeper. It's the psychological reality of the character, the emotional needs that are driving the character. Not the conscious desire to be queen, but the subconscious desire to be loved by her subjects. Not the conscious desire to murder a small boy who's seen you with his sister in episode one, but the subconscious desire for love. So you have the primary structure, which grows out of I want this. And then you have the deeper emotional structure, which grows out of these primal desires that we all have. Because let's face it, most of us are never going to be fighting to gain a throne. But all of us know what it's like to need love. To need comfort, to need respect, to need revenge. These are primal needs that drive all of us. So the first level of structure, this is what I want. The second level of structure, this primal structure that we connect to at the deep primal emotional level that we understand in our hearts rather than our minds. And you can see how that primal structure works, because here are Jaime and Cersei, and let's once again imagine that they've gotten here believably, and Cersei is one of the worst people in television history, one of the worst leaders in television history, and here in episode five, and there are going to be spoilers ahead, here in episode five, we watch those two characters come back together. And around Cersei, the city walls have fallen. Everything that she's tried to own has fallen apart. Her brother, who she loves, has been stabbed by Euron Greyjoy. And somehow these two have found their way back to each other. And despite the fact that we hate Cersei, and despite the fact that we really wanted Jaime to stay with Brienne, here is this beautiful moment between the two of them when they come back together. And you're feeling at that moment, if you can let go of the, why did he leave Brienne again? question that we discussed last episode that feeling is a genuine emotional reaction or at least mine was to these two people who shouldn't be together who are coming back together at the end and of course that leads up to that powerful last moment between these two characters When Jamie's holding Cersei in his arms and says, the only thing that matters is us. You can see that is the completion of his arc. That's the completion of his character's change. The completion of his journey as a character. This journey that started way back in episode one. The only thing that matters is us. I'm willing to throw a child off a wall. I'm willing to kill a king. I'm willing to do anything for love. The tangible structure grows out of his desire to be with his sister, but the deeper primal level of structure grows out of this need for love, and that's why at this moment those two people come together, and that's why that beautiful last moment is created, where you feel that emotion for characters you should not be empathizing with. Because even though you've probably never been in love with an evil, scheming, narcissistic queen that you happen to be related to, you probably have felt that need for love. And that feeling of the only thing that matters is us. And it's also structurally a very sad journey for Jamie because we've watched Jamie go from the only thing that matters is us to actually caring about other people, to actually going on a journey that's led him away from his sister, away from his selfishness, away from his problems, away from his family, away from who he used to be. We've watched him go on this huge journey all the way to Brienne. And then we found him coming full circle. A lot of people think of a character's change as a journey from A to Z. And that is sometimes the way that change works. But other times, a change works more like a spiral, where the character actually comes back over the same ground in a different way. And you can see that kind of spiraling structure happening on the level of the entire franchise with this echo of that very first scene with Ned Stark going over the same ground in a different way. Another person with good intentions being executed by a leader with good intentions. And you can see the journey of that spiral going back around with Jamie Lannister, who's gone just to the brink of becoming a different human being and found his way back to his sister and the place where he started. Changed, but also the same. So there's this level of structure that's driven by the plot and the character's journey, the way we traditionally think of structure. And then there's the way that the character changes in relation to the emotional needs inside of them, that primal structure that's really driving them. So we've got plot structure, emotional structure, and then the third level of structure. The third level is called thematic structure. The third level is how all these things tie together around a theme. And you can see, if you look at what is successful in Episode 5, it all grows out of this theme. And this theme doesn't begin in episode five, this theme actually begins in episode one of season one, when Ned Stark takes his revenge on Will, who abandoned his watch. And that theme of revenge or justice, those two sides of the same coin, that theme of revenge connects to the chain of emotional needs in these characters that's all mixed up with love and revenge and comfort and justice and respect. All these different things that are driving the characters on a primal level tying them all together is this theme of revenge. And you can see how that theme of revenge affects the structure of this piece. If we look at the hound's journey, we've been waiting for the hound to fight the mountain, Sir Gregor, for season after season now. We're finally going to watch that fight. And you can see that we're tracking that journey. We're building up to that moment where the hound finally goes for this revenge against his brother. There's this incredibly powerful moment when Sir Gregor has done his signature move and gouged out the hound's eyes and there is Sir Gregor standing with a knife through his head. And it's this incredible image of these two men blinded with this primal need for vengeance and the whole episode's built around the destruction that grows out of this need for vengeance. We're watching the same thing happen with Daenerys, of course, everything building up to this moment of the bells when the surrender happens and Daenerys chooses to exact her revenge anyway. And yes, there are problems with this moment, too, because it reminds us, yeah, all this concern about having to kill tens of thousands or was it millions of innocent children to take King's Landing, all that crap that everyone's been freaking out about was exactly the hogwash that it seemed. But imagine for a moment, as I suggest in my last podcast, that Daenerys had not been turned into such a hollow villain. Imagine if she'd stayed true to herself and insisted that she wasn't going to become a monster, even to become queen. That She wasn't going to kill those people. But that everything kept chipping away at her resolve. One loss after another after another. And a depth of evil and betrayal that she was not prepared for. And a desire for revenge that she's fighting down inside of herself. Until that moment when she snaps with that final stab in the back by Cersei, with the loss of her connection with Jon, with the loss of all the other people that she's loved and trusted that have helped her balance her anger. And she storms King's Landing with her dragons, but to her and to everyone else's surprise, the city's taken without killing a single innocent. The bells are ringing. She is queen. And it's not enough. It's not enough to meet the need for revenge that's been growing inside of her that she's been trying to fight down. Then she wouldn't just be another crazy Targaryen. She'd be a person you understood and cried for, even as she did something horrible that you could never forgive. Well, guess what? That moment is frickin' there. The writers build it visually. The actor, Amelia Clark nails it in her performance. And that's why no one involved in the production can understand what people are so upset about. Because the problem with the scene is not the scene itself. It's the moments that led up to it. Finally, we're going to watch that theme of revenge play out through Arya Stark, who has spent the entire franchise traveling around with her list of people she has to kill. Who's come all the way back to be the one to kill Cersei. And what we watch at the end of that episode is we watch Arya let go of her need for revenge in order to help a normal human being, to help a common person. We allow her to let go of that need for revenge in order to do the right thing at the moment. And the only reason it doesn't work is because instead of just trusting their visuals, instead of just building to that moment where she has to choose between the revenge against Cersei that she's been seeking and helping a woman who needs her, that funny mirror reflection of the same choice that Daenerys is making, instead of just trusting that image to do the work that the audience is going to get it, they try to do it instead with a crappy line of dialogue between Arya and the Hound. Go home, girl. You'll be dead, too, if you don't get out of here. Doesn't matter. She's dead. Look at me. You want to be like me? You come with me. You die here. Ugh. Everybody knows that Arya doesn't fear death. She's just killed death itself in the Night King. And everybody knows a last-minute word of wisdom isn't going to stop her. And the shame is it doesn't need to. Because the story's already there in the images cut those lines and stop trying to manipulate the audience and instead of being a cheesy moment it becomes a powerful one the audience doesn't believe what characters say anyway we believe what we see it's only our fear as writers and our lack of trust in our own powerful moments that gets in our way and that's a shame because these are good writers and this episode is so structurally sound on all three levels Beyond a few tiny tweaks, the problems aren't in the episode itself. They're purely in how we got here. Cut those lines and you'll feel the effect of the completion of that journey, in Daenerys and in Arya, on all three levels of structure. And with it, you'll feel what the writers are trying to really say about revenge. And because for all the problems with the season, and as much as we might all wish, just as we so often do when looking back at our own work, mine too, that we'd given it just one more rewrite, because these are good writers, what ends up happening is the completion of that journey also ends up getting visualized in an image. Image is your most powerful tool, and image is actually the tool that's going to help you discover your theme at that level of structure, discover your emotional need at that level of structure, discover your plot at that level of structure. These aren't necessarily things that we carefully and slowly plan along the way. Rather, these are things that we discover when images come to us and that we later shape through revision in order to create focus. Sometimes the screenwriting gods are kind and the heavens open up and the angels sing and the idea just comes to you, usually in the shower. Sometimes what you're really writing about just comes to you, but other times we actually go on a journey of change ourselves where we have to figure out exactly what we're really writing about so that we can make those decisions, so we can execute them in a rewrite and turn what seems like it's not working into a powerful work of art. And you can see that this episode is about revenge, and you can see that journey in relation to that theme on three different levels of structure and across so many different character arcs. You can see it all builds around this one image. It all builds around this image of this young woman, Arya Stark, covered in dust, wandering through the destruction of what was once King's Landing and walking up to a white horse. And you can see that image tells the whole story of Arya's change. How that one image tells the whole story of Arya's arc as a character. That in fact, even if you didn't know the whole structure of what you're building, if you just have that image... You can start to navigate towards it, going, how do I get to that moment where Aria walks up to that white horse? And you can see that this isn't a naturalistic moment. It isn't a realistic moment. This isn't a, hmm, how do we position and maneuver the horse moment. It's not a plot moment. It's a dream moment. It's one of those moments that comes to you like a dream, that feels like a dream, that reverberates on the symbolic level, on the thematic level, on the emotional level, and on the plot level. All three at the same time. So what I'd encourage you to do, if you're working in a very literal way, there's nothing wrong with that. If you have a little flashcard that says revenge on it and you want to work that way to keep yourself focused... So you can dig really deeply around a theme. That's a totally reasonable way to work, and a lot of great writers have done that. Paddy Chayevsky, for example, used to literally write down one theme above his typewriter. And his rule for himself was that he could write anything he wanted, so long as it was something about that theme. So if you're working in a literal way, that's great. But make sure to push yourself to work in a metaphorical way as well, not just to create the things you can plan but rather to go inside and imagine. What does the visual representation of that look like or feel like? How do I externalize that internal feeling? What is that crazy image that I don't know exactly what it means that's going to come to me? And you can see that in the image of Arya and the horse. You can see that in the moment of these two blinded brothers plummeting into fire. You can see that in the moment of Jaime and Cersei embracing as their world literally crumbles around them. You can see that all three of these moments are actually externalizations of an internal feeling. That what's happening is the writers are taking the internal emotional moment and saying, what does that look like on the outside? And all that's needed then is to find a way to weave it into an intellectually sensible structure, just a couple of tiny rewrites away. And they're doing all of that to serve this theme. To look very deeply at this question of revenge where does it come from what does it mean and how can we transcend it if you enjoyed this analysis definitely check out my website writeyourscreenplay.com got where you can see a full breakdown of each episode of season eight as well as a deep explanation of how the engine of game of thrones the whole series works So check that out. Come check out my upcoming Write Your Screenplay 1 and Write Your Screenplay 2 weekend intensives, and I'll be back next week with the final installment of this series.